0: Osinski's inner circle. I'm Bobby Osinski, and this is a show all about music, music production, and the music business. My guest today is Jesper Skibsby, founder of radio monitoring service Warm Music. First of all, if you're an artist that uses Bandcamp, I think you'll like this news. Epic Games has sold the audio distribution platform to music licensing company SongTrader. SongTrader now owns or controls the music platforms Pretzel, Jaxta, 7Digital, Music Cube. Massive Music, Songzoo, TuneFind, Vinyl.com, and now Bandcamp. SongTrader founder and CEO Paul Wiltshire was a guest on my podcast number 106 back in April 2016. And boy, things have really come a long way since then. Epic Games always seemed like an odd fit for Bandcamp, which it just purchased last year. But the gaming platform is in a bit of trouble these days, as it's just laid off 16% of its workforce before also selling Bandcamp. Bandcamp's new owner says it will continue to operate the platform as a marketplace and music community with an artist-first revenue share, while the acquisition will enable it to expand its support to the artist community. SongTrader will now offer all Bandcamp artists the ability to have their music licensed to all forms of media, including content creators, game and app developers, and brands, which is good news. SongTrader also said that it was exploring ways to allow Bandcamp artists to have their music licensed for use in Epic Games and its Metaverse ecosystem. All in all, this sounds like a win for artists that use Bandcamp. It's not often that an acquisition of a company goes the right way for its customers. but This one just might. If you have any comments or questions, you can send them to questions at bobbyosinski.com. Also, I'm pleased to announce that the fifth edition of my Recording Engineer's Handbook is now available. It's totally updated and includes new sections on the latest cutting-edge recording technology, multiple ways to mic over 70 different instruments, a new chapter on recording immersive audio, new Hitmaker Engineer interviews, and much more. To get your copy, go to rebrand.ly forward slash recording handbook. That's rebrand.ly forward slash recording handbook. You can also find it on Amazon and Apple Books. And remember, you can learn all about the latest in music, audio, and production news when you sign up for my newsletter at bobbyosinski.com. There you'll also find out about openings for my latest online classes and special events. That's bobbyosinski.com. There was an article in Billboard this past week about all the musicians, studios, and engineers in Nashville being busier than ever. The point was that they weren't working on multiple projects, but ones that go longer than ever. Even in country music, albums now contain way more than traditional 10 or 12 songs. Now we're talking 20, even 30 songs per album. From a marketing perspective, this is pretty self-defeating, actually. Consumers don't feel like they're getting a better deal because they're getting more music. They feel burdened by all the content instead. It's true that the average length of songs have dropped by 20 seconds over the last five years, from about 3 minutes and 50 seconds to 3 minutes and 30 seconds, some even coming in around the two-minute mark. A lot has to do with the fact that our attention spans have grown shorter and shorter when listening to music. It's a fact that 25% of all listeners reach for the skip button within the first five seconds. TikTok is built around seven and eight second posts. And there's 120,000 songs being uploaded to streaming services every day. For an artist, releasing more songs might feel like buying more tickets to the lottery, but you're also just adding to all the noise and maybe taking a spot away from a deserving artist as well. It used to be that albums on vinyl lasted about 35 to 45 minutes, and no one ever complained. As a matter of fact, it was a nice chunk that allowed you to consume it without spending way too much time. It's time for fewer but better songs. It's time for quality over quantity. My guest today is Jesper Skibsby, the CEO and founder of WARM, the first global radio monitoring service focusing on serving the artist and indie segment of the music industry. WARM track and identify music played on radio globally and in real time. The vision behind Worm is to make detailed music data available to everybody, especially the long-tail segment of artists, producers, managers, and record labels. Jesper has established companies like Fandago Music Management, We Make Noise, and Cassiopeia Collective. He's been a board member of the Association for Independent Record Labels in Denmark and has represented Music DNA as the head of Scandinavia. During the interview, we spoke about why radio metrics are overlooked by indie artists, yet so important. Why radio is still the biggest driver of music consumption worldwide. How the internet has actually boosted radio music listening, and much more. I spoke with Jesper via Zoom from his office in Copenhagen. Let's go back to the beginning. Tell me how you got into the business.
1: So basically, I've been working uh, in different roles in the music industry for for about 10 years. And, uh, and in 2014, I think, I was managing a band called Few Wolves, uh, along with uh, a couple of other bands. And uh, we did electronic music. It was released through one of the majors in Denmark. Um, and, but then I found out that we didn't really have uh, great success in, in Denmark, not on radio, not on Spotify. Uh, but for, for some reason, uh, we had uh, quite a lot of radio spins uh, on a radio in, um, in Poland, in Warsaw, uh, like a, a, a national uh, Polish radio so so for me this was uh, super super relevant information because i wanted the band as a manager I, I want the band to go wherever there's opportunities and if this is poland fine by me it's a bigger market and uh, it was not a problem so so i went up to the um, the project uh, manager at at, uh, at sony as i as i had invented the wheel or something that i found this super important information in in Poland, but but um, to my surprise, the, the the project manager was not really interested in this because he was hired uh, uh, by this major in Denmark to to work uh, his local market. So he wasn't really interested in in Poland, and also he knew no one from from the major in Poland. And he explained me how you know even if he could reach people there. You know, he he would have to convince them to prioritize this. You know, for them, random Danish act, um, uh, um, in, instead of uh, you know uh, their local, um, uh, uh, uh goalish act as well as the international uh, acts coming from New York and and uh, and and London. So, so, so for me, this was the moment where I I discovered that uh, I really feel that especially the long tail of the industry, whether that's the managers or the labels or the artists or the songwriters or whoever, uh, there is a really big need for for people to have access to their data and actually also be able to own it. And so this was the moment I I thought I I wanted to make, like I thought, a simple app or something, simple solution, that where you could track your, your radio airplay globally. Um, and yeah but then it became a little bit more than uh, uh, not so easy it's like a little bit more complex over over the years
0: well tell me how warm got started then that's the idea but what happened from there
1: yeah so basically i i found a a company that uh that had invented the, an algorithm that could be used for for the purpose. I mean there were different opportunities. but what I found is that uh, audio fingerprinting and music recognition technology was probably the best way forward and and I'm not uh, I don't have like a technology background in, in that sense. so so uh, I kind of like had to try try my way forward and bluff a little bit. Um, but uh, but yeah, but basically we found a compromise with this company uh, where we could uh, you know borrow or, or license their their technology in order to to build the product. And then I made a business plan and and, and another business plan and and a couple of more. And and in the end, I I, I pitched it to different investors, got feedback, and ended up with this uh, Danish uh, governmental fund. Uh, who supports? Uh, yeah, uh, you know, pre-seed startups. Um, so yeah, I was quite lucky. We we got uh, some soft funding uh, at, a, at a quite early stage, and and then from there it was you know sign the contract with the company, make make the make the front end uh, make make the integrations, and and uh, get the platform up and running. And and then you know quickly you found out you have to get more money, so you had to. It's the idea to other investors, right? And and here we are like six years later. Well, was the
0: idea always to track radio airplay then worldwide?
1: Yeah, specifically radio actually, because what I found is that there's actually quite a big uh, competition in, in the analytics space in general. You know, you have chart metric and you have um, song stats and you have uh, sound charts and you have vibrate and... You know, there's there's quite a lot in this space, and and also, uh, you know, how we have Spotify for artists. All the di- all the distributors they have their own uh, analytics as well. Uh, so there's like huge competition in this field, but uh, and and most of these basically have access to the same data, right? They have access to the same API with Spotify or, or other services. So it's just a matter of how they display it, how they how they make their plans and and uh, the business model and so on. But for radio, it is very it's very siloed actually. so in in the US, you know you have media base. Uh, in in the in Europe, you have radio monitor uh, who then also covers uh, some some uh, monitoring in in um, uh, South Africa, for example, and Australia. Then you have Bmet who is very much into the Latin American market and and south of Europe of course and some Scandinavia but it's it's very uh, spread all over. So there's not really like one source where you could get the the data that you you need as for example as an independent and and also it's super expensive. So at this time if you wanted to sign up with for example, a radio monitor, it costed like four hundred euro or four hundred dollars per per song, and then you could monitor it forever. But like, who wants to monitor a song forever? You know, maybe you only want to monitor it for two months. Maybe it's two years. Maybe it's, you know, twelve weeks or whatever. So, so um, I I I was quite confident that there was a huge business opportunity in in this space. Um, and then yeah, of course we have had these discussions whether we should also go into to the analytics space uh, generally speaking and, and, and add you know Spotify and, and other DSPs. Uh, but I feel we are a better space being like in a unique position. It's like promoting ourselves. If you want to have global radio data, you go to warm and if you want uh, other services, you will go to, to other platforms.
0: Many feel that radio is diminishing somewhat. The radio listener base, in the United States anyway, it seems to be going down, and certainly music on the radio is going down. I'm aware of the United States. I'm not as aware of what's happening in the rest of the world. Is that also occurring elsewhere?
1: I mean, it's uh, difficult to give uh, one answer you know to that because you there will probably mean many different opinions and i'm probably a little bit biased uh, since i work in this space but but from my perspective uh, um First and foremost, we have evidence that supports or research that supports that that radio in general, globally, is the biggest format for music consumption. And a lot of people actually discover their music on the radio first, and then they might go to Spotify or other DSPs and, and add them to the playlist. But predominantly, people discover music on radio. And then I think we see a tendency where uh, a lot of people actually find niche radios because now you know you have my or you have the tune tune set and and you have you have you have different um opportunities radio garden i don't know if you're familiar with that but it's yeah. basically a a website where you can you see the the world in 3d and you can go zoom into any city and find all the radios in that particular city and listen to it so you could go to gibraltar or you know bangladesh or whatever and and just listen to local radio. So in this way, for, for example, in my case, uh, when I come home, I usually listen to jazz and I have found this jazz channel in uh, in Paris that I like, but it could be anywhere. I mean, for me, it doesn't matter whether it's from France or from Bulgaria or Copenhagen, where I'm from. The point is that I get uh, new music in, in, in open for me to, in, in this space that I like, which is uh, jazz. And if I wanted to you know, listen to uh, techno or something else, uh, I could go and find, a, you know, a radio station from Ibiza, Sonica or something, or Berlin or something. So so I think there are uh, many different options um, nowadays than, you know, many people see radio as is like, a, a, you know, you, it's a, like a local thing and you have a local radio. And uh, but, but But now the possibilities are endless if you want to discover new music. And then I also think that uh, we have to also be attentive to that. Radio is not necessarily the same everywhere. So if you, for example, go to South Africa, people don't necessarily have internet. You know, they don't just have Wi-Fi on cell phones. And it's like you know you can have that, but it's quite expensive. Uh, so so a lot of people. Good, listen to radio terrestrial radio, for example, then it would be local radio, right? And and they don't use streaming the same way as we do, maybe in the Nordics. And then you have, you know, uh, there's also a difference, for example, in in Scandinavia here where, where I'm based. Young people they are born with Spotify and smartphones and you know social media, and a lot of people maybe get uh, you know gets this discover new music on TikTok and and so on, whereas in the States, for example, you know, everyone, if you buy a new car, you have serious examining in the car. So the, uh, it's satellite radio, but it's still radio. So in that sense, I think people have a tendency to forget that the way music is consumed from country to country and region to region is very individual. And it's not like, is radio dying or not? I mean, I'm, I'm quite sure that radio is not dying. But but I think that the format will change over time. We see podcasts coming up. And then, of course, podcast is going to be included into the flow radio uh, because many radios suddenly have a podcast uh, opportunity where they have the, the, the podcast lying, but they will also ob- obviously broadcast them, which makes sense. So I think that it is... You know, not just a yes or no answer. If, if radio is dying, I think it's a lot more complex than that. But I and all it's going to be a long answer. But but I think also uh, what we see is when there is like algorithms and automated curation and all the the great stuff that 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 the DSPs and and Spotify and the likes of it um, brings into the table, we also see people need a counter. that basically right so so maybe people suddenly really like to 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 listen to someone take them through a musical journey or or they will suddenly start listening to speak radio or or talk radio for example so i think it's uh I, i don't think radio is is going anywhere but i can definitely see the format changing and if you also look at the you know commercial radios these are the ones that really have a challenge uh, and uh, and the competition to, with uh, with Spotify, for example. But if you really like death metal, I would find a you know a death metal rock radio from Eastern Europe or from from Finland or something, right? But if I just want to hear, you know, what is the biggest hit, then I could just as well use Spotify, right?
0: Okay, I can see you're talking about. You're listening to radio online. And I could see how that would be easy to quantify. But how about when people listen over the air in their car? The data there seems to be difficult on the surface. To me, it seems like it's difficult to to obtain. So uh, how does that square?
1: Well, I mean, I would say 99% of all radios, uh, or at least 95% of all radios, that broadcast uh, on an FM base, for example, they also have a website, so they are also broadcasting um, uh, online, which is uh, which is the same. Then, so so for for us, it makes it, it becomes easier to actually to do the detections. But whether the listener is using FM or online to access, it doesn't really matter if it's the same.
0: Yeah, yeah, I see. Okay, okay, it makes sense. AM radio in the United States, again, used to be very, very big for music and especially music discovery, and now it's really diminished quite a lot. I think here it's used now mostly for talk radio and sports Mm. Mm -hmm. rather than music. Is that the case throughout the rest of the world? Is AM radio even a, a Something that people listen to.
1: I don't know uh, anyone using F- uh, Sorry, AM radio in in Europe. Uh, I don't think it's a thing here. Uh, if anything, we use FM, and then uh, the newest thing is uh, DAB, uh, DAB, and now they also have something called DAB plus. But but it it doesn't really change anything because even whether it's DAP or whether it's uh, DAP+, plus or FM or whatever. The radios still have a website where their music is being broadcasted online. So for us as a detection service or a monitoring service, it doesn't really change anything. And and we also monitor Sirius, XM, for example. Uh, okay. uh, so so we cover basically everything.
0: Okay. If I were an artist or a manager, for instance, and I want to monitor some songs. I come to you, what would happen? How would I do that?
1: So first and foremost, you can sign up and you get awarded with a free trial. And uh, the free trial will currently give you the opportunity to to track one song. And um, and then from there, you can register any song you want, whether that's uh, your own songs or someone else's songs. Uh, You know, if you're a songwriter, you might not be the artist also and... Uh, There could be also interest in monitoring other similar songs. Imagine if you're a rock band and you're doing promotion yourself, you can't afford a blogger, then you can monitor other similar rock bands and see what radios are playing those rock songs, because it's probably rock radios. And at least then you have a directory of radios you can approach um, but basically you have two options. Uh, you can you can upload the MP3 file and then we will create the digital audio fingerprint of, of of that, or you can select the song if if the song has been released, then we have a connection with some of the DSPs, which means that you can just search for the song and find it in the database and and, and monitor it. So you can either, uh, for, the, for the radio clockers and the labels that want to do early promotion in advance of the release date, obviously it makes sense to to upload the song uh, directly so you get all data even since before uh, the release. But if the song is already released, you just select it from the database.
0: I haven't seen the data that, that you released, but does it include the time of day that you're getting AirPlay?
1: Yep so we offer the name of the the radio uh, the city the country um, the time uh, duration the, the time uh, the, the start time the end time the date the duration down to the second
0: for song pluggers that was a a thing that would happen here where they would charge a client a lot of money and then the radio station would oblige by playing but playing it in dead time you know 3am and it counts as, as airplay, but nonetheless, there's not that many people listening to it. So that that was some controversy here for a while.
1: I mean, uh, you know, f- here you get the full information. So you can see what what time they played it, and you can also put, you know, let's say you are a Danish uh, band, but you're played in, in the States. You can also say that you are in California. So it will give you... Times based on on the on California time zone, so you don't have to do the calculations. But but I mean with the warm you get the full transparency of of all the details around the individual radio spins.
0: What are the biggest radio markets worldwide?
1: I think that the biggest market is uh, probably US, and then comes uh, UK, and I would assume Germany from there. That's probably the top three. Radio is uh, is it's huge in in uh, Germany and uh, and also in the UK, uh, but especially Germany, it's uh, it's actually quite quite big. And the same goes for vinyls and even cassettes and CDs. It's like very very old school in uh, in Germany.
0: No, we're getting that here too. What we have in the United States, uh, I'm sure you know this: the radio conglomerates that own you know 500 stations. And as a result, there's one programmer for all all of those stations. Does that happen in the rest of the world?
1: I don't think so. And I and I hope it's not uh, so square as you put it, because uh, one one uh, one curator for three hundred radio channels is uh, is is a bit of a work. But uh, but I'm, I mean, the the point is that the music industry for a long time ha- have been used to. Only navigating through these monopoly services. So, if we, for example, take MediaBase, if I'm not mistaken, right now they are monitoring 700 radios in the US and uh, we are monitoring 7,000 in the US. So, and of course, you can say, yeah, but you know, then what about all these small radios and is it just you know, pirate radios and stuff? That's not that is not reality, you know, it's like uh, there is many different r- radios and and also radios that people have a tendency to to uh, to not really give the, the full potential so like a good example is college radio so imagine if you are an independent artist or a label and you get played on uh, you know a college radio in Wisconsin or New York or whatever you know, you you could say, well, there's not so many listeners compared to Capital or compared to Sirius or whatever, but you can also turn around and say, well, there's only 20,000 people listening here or 5,000 or whatever, but they're all the same age group. They all like the same stuff. The demographic information you get here is 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 amazing. You can probably also contact the radio uh, person, you know, and we also saw Beverly Hills 90201 with David Silva sitting in there, you know, uh, instead of spending time in school. And I think this is a very good example of how curators at, at, at for example, college radios or, or you know, other, um, you know, genre specific radios or local radios, community radios where, you know, it's, it's driven by people with passion who probably don't even get paid for it so why are they there that is because they want to find new music they want to they live for music they want to find and curate new music and not just do as the guy you mentioned before just you know uh, just put Ed Sheeran and Justin Bieber and Ariana Grande on on everything they are actually the ones who who want to find oh this is like a a, a rock band from Iceland or this is like a new uh you know jazz track from paris or something where this would actually probably be uh, a benefit in terms of getting played and and could be seen as you know exotic whereas the, the industry or especially the majors have had this mindset for a long time that you you have to you know go through this specific route you know, you can go to these radios and then you can, you know, go to these and then you can go to AAA and then you can go. But then you need to spend $50,000 on a campaign and and then you need a major label to pay that money. And and and, and I don't believe that, you know, it's it's not the, I don't feel it's reality for everyone. It is. Of course, if you are about to break a, a huge international artist with a with a massive budget, uh, of course, it makes sense. But, but, but for everyone else, this long tail, this indie segment of people uh, who, who uh, you know, they have to start somewhere and you cannot just start with the biggest and it's like it doesn't work like that. So, I mean, I, I think in many cases, for example, if you, let's say, if you, you know, put it towards each other and say, well, you can get one airplay on, on uh, an iHeart channel or on SiriusXM, whatever channel which could have, you know, 10 million people listening to it. Would you want one spin on that? Or would you want, you know, 100 spins over the course of three months on a dedicated uh, niche radio, college radio, community radio, whatever? I, I, I would bet you that the second option is a lot better for the for the artist's career than just to have one spin or two spins randomly happen on on a on a on a big network channel
0: yeah i agree i agree you know one of the things as i was growing up in the business i knew a lot of people that were in radio and various levels and they were so passionate about what they did they loved it they loved yeah. it every bit they couldn't wait to get to work they didn't care what they were doing as long as they were doing something in radio they were every bit as passionate as the musicians that i knew and it, it's something that continues. One of the, that you mentioned college radio, one of the, the sad parts is a lot of colleges have disbanded their over-the-air radio station. And now it's only digital, which I, I think is a shame, but it was, you know, cost-cutting. I think that's one of the reasons why college radio has changed somewhat in the United States. I don't think it's as influential as it used to be.
1: No, no, I, I think you're right. Uh, but, but, uh, but then, you know, Usually, new opportunities arises, right? And uh, with taking things online, that that can take some time, of course. But but then the radios also suddenly have a much better opportunity to engage with the users, uh, with the listeners. Then they have, you know, various social medias, and they have a website where they, you know, you know, if they are creative enough, they can have people engage with them there, and they will also have a lot better data sets on. Where their where their listeners are from, information that they previously didn't have when they just broadcasted uh, uh, on air, and then someone called in, and you know, okay, it was uh, Joe from somewhere in his car, but 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 with when taking everything online, you will suddenly start you know being able to engage with the with with the listeners, and but mm-hmm. but that's a mindset, and that takes time, and that. Uh, and maybe it's not going to work out in in the US but but then and maybe it will work out in Europe or vice versa but but i just don't think that you know things are the same or i know that, that things are not the same uh, everywhere and what what can seem small for some can 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 be significant for others
0: you're actually making me feel good talking to you because what we read about radio here is that and what i know from listening i i'm in los angeles so i've a lot to listen to but nonetheless you find that there's this homogenization especially if you drive across the country it used to be every hundred miles there'd be a different radio station and they'd be broadcasting something different and now you could drive across the united states and take you three days and you would basically be listening to the same program you know everywhere but talking to you knowing that it's different in other parts of the world actually makes me feel good so thank you for that
1: that's good to hear. that's good to hear. but i think that this is also a very good point because if you are a label or an artist for example in in new york or in la or whatever you you would probably be you know born with the mindset that europe doesn't matter Mm -hmm. it's like that's like it could be korea you know that it doesn't matter you know maybe you're never gonna go there even and you don't know if france is a country or a city in in belgium and and i experience this all the time and 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 i think this is fair because i don't know where wisconsin is either and i don't (laughs) know it was you know or or you know i so so it makes so much sense but but, but it's, it's also a bit of a problem if we all only look in our small garden, you know, and say, it doesn't matter what happens over there because I know that I have to only focus on this. But, but, but we see, for example, artists from Denmark who is, uh, suddenly becomes quite big, uh, in, in, for example, Philippines. And that is, of course, because they suddenly, there's something that triggers. I mean, maybe there is, you know, this is like a blonde guy who, you know, has blue eyes and, and thing, sings beautifully or whatever. And this matches uh, just what, you know, a young clientele uh, wants in from the Philippines. And then on top of that, you know, you have all these algorithms, whether it's on TikTok or on Spotify, whatever, where the labels can almost manipulate you know, uh, an organic growth in a certain market or a certain region. But this is, you know, just how, you know, marketing, music marketing works nowadays. And and But these guys, for example, with these examples, they go on tour in Philippines. And I would bet you they would never have thought about that. And also, maybe they're not going to make, you know, $50,000 per gig. Maybe they only make $5,000 per gig, but then maybe they can make 10 gigs. And in the end, it's a huge success to be able to go to the Philippines and get paid to play your music. But if they didn't have access to the data, whether it's from radio or whether it's from from streaming or other sources, you know, they will never knew, know this. And a great, great example, of course, with this is uh, Rodriguez. If you know the, the story with Searching for Sugar Man. Yeah. This is like I use this all the time because this is like a perfect example and, and of course this is a long time ago so things are different but but this is exactly why you should look at how to get global data and and I know you know a lot of major labels probably the, they would probably say well you know if you aren't if you haven't promoted your music you know it's not going to get played on radio and if you look at 700 radios in uh, in media base in the US and you tell yourself that and you don't have access to other data that is of course the truth right but 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 if you suddenly can monitor 7000 radios in the US and you can track if your music is being played in Mexico or Peru or or Spain or or Cambodia you know, you suddenly have a lot better opportunity to actually get data, and suddenly you see something that you didn't expect. Because with the help of streaming, music is distributed instantly globally. I mean, we could, we, you and me could record a song today and and release it tomorrow, and a guy in Korea could play it the day after tomorrow, right? Yeah. And that is just how the industry works. So, so looking at your data from a silo perspective, only looking in your front garden it doesn't make sense when we are in a globalized world yeah you're right
0: how much does it cost to to monitor a song for instance
1: so uh, right now we are pricing it per song and then we have some small bundle packages but uh, you know you can monitor a song for around three to five dollars a month oh. and of course if you have a hundred song catalog yeah that can be expensive but maybe you don't have to monitor you know a 100 song catalog. if you have five new releases, just the way if, if you if you release an album with 10 songs, you might have one or two singles. so maybe you should start monitoring the two singles, you know or you could monitor the whole album and and see okay, it's only uh, number three that gets played so then I will stop monitoring the other ones. I mean I'm not advocating that, People should spend all their money on on monitoring. You know all the catalog. Uh, definitely not. I think what they should be monitoring is what they feel is relevant. And if they have released ten songs on Spotify, but but only uh, five of them have more than uh, you know uh, a thousand streams, then you should monitor those five. I would I would I would say
0: it's very reasonable. <laughs> I don't know why
1: you wouldn't do it at that price. I agree. I agree. But that's why we're here, right? <laughs> I mean, because yeah. it, it, it's also, I mean, I know we're kind of like taking also a bit of a role here in the industry to try and both advocate, but also educate that, you know, you actually have the opportunity to see if your song is played in Thailand and you're releasing your music uh, digitally uh, globally. So why wouldn't you want to track that yeah but suddenly but usually people need to try it out and 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 maybe you know discover something they didn't expect before it is you know something that that really ma- makes sense to them right yeah. yeah and especially if you are an artist and you have a label and you know that you contact a label uh, what about the radio that, yeah we're already using you know a system oh okay then i don't need to do it yeah but i think that a lot of artists and especially the managers should uh, you know, question whether the data that they are receiving, if for example, from a major label, which is usually very, very siloed, like if I'm si- signed to as back to the story I began with, but if I was signed to Sony in Sweden, then I would only get data from Sweden, maybe from Scandinavia or maybe from Germany, but but I would not know or never get any information if the song was played in Iceland or in Switzerland. Yeah, Uh, which for me is, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, everything else is global, and why wouldn't you treat radio data the same way? Well,
0: good opportunity for you. Yeah. (laughs) Last question, Jasper. What's the best piece of business advice or any kind of advice that maybe somebody imparted to you or you learned along the way?
1: Oh, there's a lot, but I mean... I would not trust everything that people say just because you've heard it a lot of times. It doesn't become more true just because it's been replicated a lot of times. And and that's something that I think we see a lot in the music industry, you know, from time to time. Whether it's, you know, about this is the way we do it, this is the way we promote music, this is the way we do it, or... Or whether it's a new buzzword, you know, I, I remember when blockchain uh, came, you know, and, and had its impact, you know, in, in 18 or around that. You know, any conferences you went to, it was blockchain, 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 blockchain. All companies would solve anything with blockchain and they threw money at you just if you mentioned the name blockchain. And, and for some people, the discussions was like, but it's a way to store things it's not going to solve anything if you don't have the the deals that comes with this because the real problem in the music industry or one of them <laughs> is not about how to store data it's about to share data yeah. you know the, the 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 labels or the the distributors or you know the dsp's or the publishers or whatever there is not one database where you can go and say everything we can trust everything from this source so if you have five blockchain companies uh, who you know who are all uh, you know music tech or not necessarily owning any catalog but they all want to solve the same problems but they also don't want to share data then it it becomes you know a, a weird conversation and, but, but, and and now, of course, we see the same with AI, and, you know, uh, not long ago it was NFTs, and and and, and I, I sometimes, I, I just wish that people just, you know, could breathe a little bit and, and just don't believe the hype, you know, yeah. it, it, and it's, you know, question things, and just because it's being said a lot of times, that doesn't make it true, you know. You can find out more about Jesper
0: and warm Music at warmmusic.net. That's Warmmusic, W-A-R-M-M-U-S-I-C, all one word, dot net. Thanks for listening and being in my inner circle. Remember, if you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyosinski.com. You can also learn all about the latest in music news, audio and production news when you sign up for my newsletter at bobbyosinski.com. There, you'll also find out about openings for my latest online classes and special events. That's bobbyosinski.com. To listen to the episodes of Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle, go to bobbyosinski.com and select a podcast tab, or go to bobbyoinnercircle.com, or you can find it in Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Mixcloud, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, TuneIn Radio, Radio Public, and Podbean.